Welcome back to another edition of the All Things Bama podcast, powered by BamaCentral.com, your Sports Illustrated affiliate for all Crimson Tide news. Uh, I'm your host, Tyler Martin, and I'm joined by, uh, by Alabama basketball legend, Crimson Tide Sports Network uh, color analyst, uh, Brian Paxman. How are you doing, my man? Good. I was looking for somebody else on the on the line when you said legend, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. I but I ha- I have been the, the analyst for a long time, and uh, it's been a blast doing it. And uh, you know, it's it's been fun to still be a part of the program after playing a, a few years back. It, it, several uh, by few, I mean several. But uh, it, it's been a blast doing it, and I'm happy to be on with you. I appreciate you having me, Brian. Before we get into what we witnessed at Coleman Coliseum on a Tuesday night. I want to ask you just kind of about, you know, how you got to Alabama. Because, uh, you know, I, I was doing some research, and uh, I know you just Google your name, and one of the first things that pops up is that you're actually in a Hall of Fame. You're in the Greatest Savannah <laughs> Athletic Hall of Fame. And uh, I, was reading, I was reading the bio on you and just about your high school career. And uh, just, a, just a sharpshooter, man, just a, just a sniper from deep uh, right here, you know, 30 points a game. Uh, your junior and senior seasons, uh, and you know, over over over, over twenty four hundred points in high school. Uh, you know, just a prolific high school career. What led you down to Tuscaloosa? Well, first of all, how scary is it that you can just Google my name? That kind of freaks me out. Um, having teenage daughters who can who can do the same. I'm I'm, I'm glad that uh, I didn't get too, in too much trouble <laughs> when I was in high school and college. Be scary right about now, but uh, uh, I grew up in Savannah, Georgia, and was obsessed with the game. Uh, son of a coach, and uh, always dreamed of being a college basketball player. And you know, I, I, you know, I was a Georgia football fan, but not a huge Georgia basketball fan. And always admired uh, the SEC. Wanted to be a part of the Southeastern Conference. And you know, I can remember as a kid watching Wimp Sanderson's early teams and, uh, you know, really, really, um, you know, loved what, what he was doing at Alabama. Um, also, you know, had a little interest from Kentucky and Georgia and Tennessee, some of the South Carolina, some of the uh, SEC schools. And, um, but when it came down uh, to the side and, and Alabama had offered me a scholarship, um, it was, it was uh, impossible for me to turn it down because at the time, uh, in you know the late 80s, early 90s, the best basketball program in the Southeastern Conference was Alabama. I mean, it wasn't Kentucky at that time. Now, historically, obviously, Kentucky is the standard in college basketball and in the SEC. Uh, but at that time, uh, they were on probation. They weren't on TV, weren't participating in postseason tournaments. Uh, Rick Pitino was just coming in. Uh, obviously, he got it turned around really quick, but uh, Alabama was the standard. It was uh, Wimp Sanderson um, roaming the sidelines in the plaid jacket. The plaid palace was rocking. Uh, I went on a couple of visits to Alabama, and Coleman was packed, and it was intense, and it was big time. And uh, I wanted to be a part of it, and I got to sign with Alabama. And, and as I tell people, I signed with the best basketball program uh, in the SEC. And, uh, you know, that was that was how I got to Tuscaloosa. And, you know, you finished your career in Tuscaloosa. You know, your senior year, you led the SEC in free throw percentage, and you finished your career 10th in three-pointers made and uh, three-point field goal percentage. When you watch Nate Oates' style, just the, you know, up and down, just the amount of threes they jack up, 
Um, do, do you do you you know maybe you know you could you, you would you'd be playing in that style where you're just I mean threes almost on every possession. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Short answer. Yeah, I'm very jealous of, of how these guys get to play, and it's really been interesting over the years because I get to, to talk to a lot of former players and some former teammates and, and guys that I didn't play with but admired. And, and I've, I've talked to several guys, almost to a man. They all say something similar, and that is, wow, how fun would it have been to play for this guy in this style? And, uh, you know, no, nothing against the, the coaches that we all played for, but Wimp Sanderson, as good as he was, you know, we weren't scoring 90. We weren't scoring 100 and leading the SEC in scoring and, and top two or three in the nation in pace of play. Uh, so this is something that, that I'm certainly jealous of and a lot of former players are. But I think more important than that, um, if former players and, and fans are enjoying the style of play and like what they're seeing, so are recruits. And uh, that's the key to success in, in any big-time athletics program. I mean, you gotta you got to develop players, you got to win games, and, and you got to do a lot of different things. But if you don't have talent, it's hard to do any of the things you want to accomplish. And I think there's a lot of high school players around the country uh, that are checking out Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and seeing what Nate Oates is starting to build, and that's exciting. Uh, just a, a side note on that, you talked about these recruits that Oates is, is you know, uh, Alabama is targeting. Um, I, I, was in, I was in Birmingham uh, last week for the, uh, for the state Final Four, and uh, let's see, it was Friday morning. Uh, if, if you're listening to this and, and you, you don't know what I'm talking about, I mean, witnessed a, a great game between uh, Calhoun and Barber County, and there's a guy, J.D. Davison. I, I don't know if you were there, Brian. You, you, uh, you might have been. Um, just unbelievable. Um, he's, he's, I mean, in my opinion, he's the best high school player in the state right now. Um, so, yeah, just the fans, if you want to just give a quick Google search, J.D. Davison, look him up. He's a junior five-star point guard. Yeah, and that highlight reel will be long for him. What a great player, exciting player. And there's a, a lot of uh, really good young talent uh, in the state and regionally. And uh, I know that uh, Nate Oates and his staff have spent a lot of time in uh, Legacy Arena o- over the course of the last week and, and all really all around the country. They're, they're, they are going to leave no stone unturned, uh, whether it's locally, regionally, or nationally. Um, and possibly internationally. I, I don't think they're going to turn any great players down uh, that they feel like would be a great fit in Tuscaloosa. But uh, I, I think there, there's something that these guys are able to sell now uh, that, that coaches in the past haven't been able to. You've been able to say, okay, this is how we want to play. You know, we, we think you would fit in. And, and if you're, if you come, we'll play this certain way. And, and, you know, and, and, we, we saw that with a guy like Colin Sexton who came in uh, to a, a non-blue blood program and was able to accomplish things uh, that he wanted to accomplish personally and as a team. Alabama went to the NCAA tournament. He was a lottery pick, uh, and everything worked out in, incredibly well for Colin and, and for Alabama in that. But what's different now is you've got guys uh, that, that are, are – are wanting to play an exciting style of play. They want to get up and down. Nobody, uh, you know, dreams of playing a, a slow, methodical, grinding out type of offense. And and there's some schools around the country who do that at a really high level, and they've had a lot of success with it. And and they're able to recruit past that. But Alabama is selling uh, the way that they're playing and pace of play and, and the fact that 
you're going to have a coach uh, that is going to get on to you if you pass up an open shot. And and that really breeds confidence as a player and in, in your team. Uh, and it's a, it's a fun uh, way to play. And I think that's going to resonate with some of the best talent in the country. And, and Brian, let's get back to you on the radio. You've been doing this for a few years now. When did you when did you get the the color commentary gig? So this is my I think it's my 17th year. It's it's hard to keep up now that I've been doing it for so long. But you know, 17, 18 years ago, they they wanted to bring a former player on the broadcast, uh, and not you know I'm not trying to be humble here, uh, but they wanted a really good player, and thankfully they couldn't find one, so they were stuck with me. Uh, and and it has been an absolute blast. You know, I joined Chris Stewart. Uh, it was his second year when when I started, uh, and so you know we've been together. And and you know you think uh, fans love Chris. Well, for me, get to work with him is, is that much better. You know, he's a, the the best play by play guy out there. Um, he is unbelievable at what he does. He's an incredible person. He's a great friend. Uh, and to be able to do this for 17 years now with Chris and Tom Stipe, who is also the best at what he does as our uh, engineer and producer. And now he's, he's on the air a good bit more and, and all that he's done for Alabama radio and athletics uh, over several decades. has been a lot of fun. Now Roger Hoover is in the mix. He filled in for Chris uh, when Chris was out uh, recovering uh, from his uh, serious illness. Uh, and Roger was unbelievable as a play-by-play guy. Now he's, uh, transitioned into kind of a sideline role uh, where he handles a lot of the, the pregame and half and postgame. Uh, so we, we have a lot of fun together, but it's amazing to me when I think about uh, when I was in school and not that many people wanted to interview me, but when they did, I was scared to death. I didn't want to talk to people on the radio or TV or be interviewed because I was shy. I didn't feel like I had much to say. Uh, and if you would have told me when I was 17, 18, 19 years old that I would be the, the color analyst for Alabama for a number of years, I would have said you were crazy. So it's amazing how things worked out. But uh, for me, it, it's it's just been a, a dream come true uh, that I, I guess it's one of those dreams you didn't even realize you had because, um, you know, it's been a dream for me to stay around the game that I love. I always kind of thought I would – coach um, but I didn't I got into um, business and sales uh, and for me to be able to stay around the game for now 17 years I hope I could do it another 17 if they'll have me uh, but it's been an absolute blast uh, to be a, a, a small part of Alabama basketball and to be around it like I have and to be with great people on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Brian let's go ahead and get into what happened uh, Tuesday night in Coleman. Alabama suffered a gut-wrenching loss to Vanderbilt, 87-79. And, um, you know, I'm going to start with this. I'm sitting in the uh, in the media room post-game listening to Coach Oates, and uh, the the thing that just, you know, uh, over – the thing that was just a topic was just max effort. And that's the thing, you know, obviously with Coach Oates coming in, he wants to pre-preach as a blue-collar mentality, max effort, um, tenacious energy. And, uh, and, you know, he talks about how his team didn't bring it. Tuesday night, he talked about how um, you know, uh, you know, and that falls back on him. He he was kind of taking the blame for some, um, but he got fired up. He got fired up at the end of it, at the end of his press conference. Um, talking about that, you know, we're trying to change the culture. We're trying to you know instill a winning attitude. Um, Brian, what what was your main takeaways uh, from Tuesday night? Well, obviously, 
a disappointing loss. I mean, that's a game that that you you have to win. You have to take care of business at home against a struggling Vanderbilt team. With that being said, uh, I'm amazed that this program is where it is coming coming into the game because of what they've dealt with in year one with a difficult schedule with the most injuries that I have ever witnessed by far on one team in one season. Uh, going into the game, 98 games have been missed by key players, either starters or key reserves. Um, when you look at injuries, when you look at uh, Javon Quinterly, who most people that knew the situation very well uh, felt like he would be eligible and cleared by the NCAA, uh, and he wasn't cleared. Uh, you've got three guys out for the year. Uh, and then John Petty's elbow situation, Herb Jones with his elbow to begin the year, his wrist, having surgery. Um, you know, he's not even counting against those 98 games missed because he's out there with one arm trying to fight through it, which that in itself has been uh, an amazing story. You've got Beetle Bolden, who's been on again, off again hurt. He's probably participated in maybe less than half of the practices this year because of injury. Uh, Alex Reese, who struggled with a hip injury, a foot injury. Uh, it's been like nothing I've ever seen before. Uh, but this team for the most part, has battled and given given max effort. Now, I agree uh, with Coach. It, it wasn't great last night, and it was disappointing. And you can see uh, how um, frustrated and, and upset he was about it. And what what he talked about with us on the radio and post game is, you know, that's unacceptable. That's not who we are uh, as a program. That's not who he is as a coach. And it's got to change. And you know, I am incredibly confident that that that's going to change and and the max effort mantra which is what he preaches and a blue blue collar mentality is going to be more consistent it hasn't been consistent as you would like in year one um it wasn't consistent last night i thought maybe half the guys played their tails off and you know a couple guys didn't and when you're down several guys from an injury standpoint it, it can't be half the guys playing uh, it's got to be everybody, and, and even though Vanderbilt has struggled mighty, mightily this year in terms of wins and losses, uh, they're also a team that beat LSU who was undefeated. They, they were leading Kentucky by double digits at halftime. They were leading Kentucky a second time at Rupp Arena at halftime. They've lost a lot of close games, uh, and with John Petty out, I felt like Alabama was going to have to play hard, have to play well to win that game, and it didn't happen. And, you know, coming into this game, you knew, I mean, what you're saying is right, max effort from everybody to beat Vanderbilt. Because even though Vanderbilt's record doesn't show it, they can beat anybody on any given night in any given gym. And, uh, and you know, also, you know, then going through what just happened, you know, Monday night with the, with the tornado coming through Nashville, you knew they were going to be playing with heavy hearts. And that kid saving the lead was unreal. 38 points, eight rebounds, five assists, six to seven from three. I mean, um, people can say all they want to, oh, you know, teams have wiped out days against Alabama, and it, it's luck. And I agree, the luck statistic from Ken Palm is ridiculous, and I think Alabama's been dealt that. But, like, the, some of the shots they were hitting were wide open, and, I mean, there were some tough contested shots that Saban Lee hit that was remarkable. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, it was just – it was defensive miscues. It was not rotating. Uh, it, was, it was just not caring enough about that side of the court. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And uh, Saban Lee was unbelievable, and I thought he was the type of player that could put a team on his back. And he, he had some help. But for him to go six for seven from three, I mean, that's the one thing that he hasn't done 
this year is not down threes. He's about a 28% three-point shooter. Uh, for him to go six for seven and hit critical, difficult, contested threes late in the game when they needed them is just a credit uh, to him and to Vanderbilt. Uh, for them to continue to fight uh, with the record that they had was really impressive. And, you know, it's very disappointing from an Alabama standpoint. Uh, but, you know, for this team uh, the, to, to be where they are right now from a wins and losses standpoint, uh, having dealt with a lot of the same things that Vanderbilt had dealt with, these are the two most injured teams in the SEC. Uh, and Alabama had been, had been able to navigate that much better. Uh, but to not have John Petty uh, w- was – tough for for a couple of reasons. One is you had to play differently. Alabama doesn't love to play with two bigs in the game. You'd prefer to have the majority of the game with one interior player surrounded um, by three or four guards and and a a guy like Herb Jones that can play the power forward. Uh, But because of the numbers, Alabama had to go big and and the, the big men did not have their best game. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it kind of is a, a double whammy with John being out. Didn't have that option uh, to go small like you normally did. But hopefully John will be back. Uh, he'll be healthy, and Herb's wrist will continue uh, to improve. And this is a league where anybody can beat anybody, and that's been proven this year. I mean, Vanderbilt, uh, to, for them to beat LSU, who was the number one team in the league at the time, um, and, and Alabama has beaten the best teams, and they've lost to some of the, the worst teams. So uh, no, no year has it been truer where anybody can beat anybody in this conference, uh, which I think will make for an exciting weekend in Nashville next week. You had the opportunity, Brian, to play on some NCAA tournament teams, got a couple wins in the big dance. Um, and then, you know, in the midst of this season for Alabama, you know, they're coming into, they're coming into that game against Vanderbilt as a bubble team. You know, all, and even Oates said it. He said, you know, we got to win these – these last two regular season games, and then win one in Nashville, and we're more than likely in. Um, were you ever part of a like a, in, in a game where maybe your teammates weren't giving the max effort? Because like I think I think what hurts, I mean, and I'll say this: it, it, it's hard sometimes to like as an, as an Alabama alum and you know now someone who covers the team. It's I, I feel for these guys because like I feel for somebody like Herb Jones who literally he does everything on defense. He gives it everything, and then, like, for his teammates, some of his teammates not to give max effort, uh, the, you know, that sucks for him and what he's been through in his career. But when you played, Brian, was there ever a time where, like, you know, just as a group, you know, there wasn't max effort and there was, you know, you guys had a showing like that? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, I played uh, for Wimp Sanderson and Dave Hobbs, and, you know, I think as time goes on, we forget some of the duds that we, we laid uh, with some great teams, some real some NCAA tournament teams. When you go through a long season and you start practice in October and it is an absolute grind and you're playing 30-plus games, there's going to be nights where you just don't have it, you just don't bring it. Uh, and Wimp Sanderson is a, the best coach in the history of Alabama basketball and one of the toughest, hard-nosed coaches uh, that the SEC and college basketball has ever seen. Uh, but absolutely there were games uh, where we just didn't show up, didn't play nearly hard enough, and, and guys mailed it in. Uh, you know, now 20, 30 years later, we don't remember those things, uh, but it, it's part of, of college basketball. And uh, that doesn't make it okay. And that's the, the coaches and players' jobs uh, to, to not have that happen. And, you know, a, a coach like whether it's Wimp, whether it's Nate Oates, 
you're not going to, you know, the, the mindset should never be, well, that's just how it is. So we're just going to get over it. But you, you, that's not the mindset. That's obviously not the mindset with Nate Oates. You can't ever allow that to happen. Uh, but over the course of a year, and yeah, it's absolutely going to happen. It's it's what's different about, I think, uh, college basketball or basketball in general. Uh, it's just very difficult uh, to get guys ready to go and to play with max effort each and every night. But that's that's the goal. That's the standard uh, that Nate Oates wants to set, and uh, that's what he's going to try to do moving forward. Moving forward, Brian, you know, you got the trip to Missouri, and then you're look, I'm, I was looking at SEC tournament first-round opponents, um, and, it, and, you know, Alabama's kind of stuck right now, and, you know, they could, they could fall as bad as, you know, as, as worse as 11th, or they could stay in that 8-9 and nine range, and if they win that one game, they got Kentucky in the second round if they stay there. Um, but and NATO said this, they said the thing that they're most looking forward to in these next two guaranteed games is effort. Who loves basketball enough to go out there and put forth um, a winning mindset? Uh, you know what? What are you? What are you looking forward to about Saturday and like this team's response? What do you want to see? Well, I know what's going to be asked of these guys and demanded of them, and uh, it's not easy to, to bounce back when you turned in a performance like some of these guys have from an individual standpoint. Uh, so, you know, w- what are they made of and, and can they bounce back? I think it will tell us a lot about, um, you know, these guys and how bad they want it because, um, you know, you're, you're trying to, to come back from what, what has been one probably the most difficult loss, um, most disappointing loss of the year, even though mm-hmm. Alabama's had the injuries. That's a game that, that you just got to play better you gotta, and, you know, guys have to play harder. And it didn't happen. So uh, the good thing about college basketball is you're, you're not dead, and and, and you, you've got an opportunity. And Alabama's got an opportunity to to close out the regular season on a much better note than we we saw this team close out the home regular season last night. But but also with the the SEC tournament coming up, uh, if you can start playing more to your identity, get some guys a little more healthy, uh, it, the confidence that this team had when they were closer to full strength. They're never going to be full strength this year because of the, the guys that are out for the year. But the guys that are available, the closer they get to full strength, I think they'll have some confidence knowing that they could play with anybody in this league. Uh, and right now, you know, you're you're essentially off the bubble. You're, you're, you're playing uh, to try to win the tournament. It starts with the first game, whether that's uh, Wednesday, Thursday, whenever it is, Alabama's got to be ready to go and win multiple games. But it starts with that first one, and hopefully Alabama will be in a, a much different uh, mindset and playing much better basketball going into Nashville. And, uh, you know, looking at the culture change that Oates is, is implementing, uh, you know, if this season results in, you know, maybe NIP appearance, you know, and I, I think I think with all of what you're mentioning, the injuries and everything, it was a little – Alabama fans, you know, expecting NCAA tournament wins in a three-year one was always going to be difficult just because of the hand you were dealt. Um, but what do you think has to happen just overall, Brian, just the culture change? Uh, because, like, I, and the thing is, Crimson Tide fans have to love the passion from Nate and energy. I mean, last night he's saying, I'm not going to sleep well. This is, you know, this, this, is, this, is, this is not sitting well with them right now. Uh, but what do you think overall the culture change has to be? Well, I think it's happening, and I'm seeing it. Um, you know, I'm seeing things happen behind the scenes uh, that, to me, is clear change. Now, is it consistent? No. I mean, last night was a great example. Um, you know, the South Carolina game before that, 
shows you what it could be. That was a game that if you would have told me that Alabama would go in to a game against one of the best defensive teams in the country, one of the toughest teams, uh, a Frank Martin coach team that's on the NCAA tournament bubble, and you're not going to have uh, John Petty, you're not going to have uh, Quinterly, you're not going to have Gary Rojas, uh, you're not going to have a healthy Herb Jones, and you're going to score 90 points and win that game, I would have told you you were crazy. So it can be done, and, and, and those are the games that give you hope. Uh, but the consistency isn't there, um, and, and not to be surprised in year one that that's been the case. So uh, that'll continue to get better. Um, I know what's demanded of these guys, uh, and so I think it's going to be kind of a uh, in or out mentality. And uh, everybody on this roster, with the exception of Beetle Bolden, um, you know, hopefully will return. Kyra Lewis, I think, is going to have an option to go to the NBA. Um, you know, if he's a first-round draft pick, it'd be hard. Uh, to be upset with him for leaving. And I, I think that's a very real possibility. Uh, but hopefully these guys will be back. They'll be bought in. I know they love playing this style. A lot's demanded of them, but it's also the way that, as we talked about, you grew up wanting to play. Uh, so I, I think they're enjoying this style. Um, not always used to what's demanded of them, especially on a night where you're not feeling it. Uh, but those things I'm very confident will improve um, this, hopefully the remainder of this year, but definitely into year two. And in, in terms of expectations coming into this year, um, I think it was fair to feel like this team could go to the NCAA tournament if they were healthy. And, and I don't have any doubt that if they were healthy, we'd be in a much different place right now. But that's not the hand you were dealt. This team has uh, dealt with more injuries than I've ever seen in a single season. Uh, and so right now it's looking more and more like the NIT, uh, but who knows what can happen in, in Nashville. So uh, hopefully Alabama can get on a run, but if not, uh, you know, you, you want to continue to play and, you know, would love to see this team get on a roll in postseason, no matter what the tournament is. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, if this team was as healthy as it could be, you know, I think it's, I think it's sweet. I think it would have been sweet 16, you know, caliber, um, a squad. And uh, as we begin to wrap up, Brian, you mentioned your broadcast partner, Chris. And Chris was on here two weeks ago, and he was just sharing his story and his road to recovery. And he said some really awesome things about you just as a friend. And uh, one of the things was was that um, that you just would go visit him in the hospital when he was there 90-plus days. Um, you would sit with him, you know, watch sports or, you know, uh, take, his, take his kids to basketball practice or um, you know, do what was ever asked, and uh, he said that you became more like a brother, and he, he values you. He values you as like you know, uh, you're his best friend. Um, from your perspective, what was that like? Uh, you know, just as a, as a caring friend, just like you know, what was what was what was going from going on from your perspective? Well, you know, it, it was really a difficult time, obviously, uh, for for Chris and his family, uh, and for his friends, and uh, you know, it was tough to see him in a, in a, just an awful position where we weren't sure if he was going to make it through, uh, his, his health issues. Uh, and so, you know, to, to be able to be there with him, spend time with him and, and watch games and uh, pray together and, and just do some of the things that we were able to do. Um, uh, you know, he's gone from a very close friend to, I, I agree, a brother. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, great to be able to be there, um, and, you know, he's close uh, here in Birmingham. And, um, you know, if I didn't have anything to do, I'm like, well, I know there's somebody that, that wouldn't mind seeing me right now that's probably sitting there not, not feeling great. Uh, so I'd, I'd slip over to Brookwood Hospital and 
and uh, we'd hang out and, and watch games and you know just try to be an encouragement for him and, and his family and you know our, our our kids have basically grown up together uh so you know my heart was hurting for them and for christy and uh just to be able to be there for me uh made made me feel uh, a lot better because we were all hurting and we were all worried uh, so that was therapeutic for me uh, to be around his family and kids and uh, just so thankful that he's back. Uh, and it is a miracle uh, that he is where he is. I, I did not think he would be back on the radio or anywhere close to it this year. And not only is he back, uh, he's he's <laughs> he's better than ever, uh, which is saying something uh, for him to not miss a beat. It's just incredible and such a blessing. And, uh, you know, just look over there from time to time. I can't believe uh, he's back on the radio. That's awesome. And lastly, Brian, as we, as we, as we, this is my final question as we close. Uh, you sent out a tweet. This was last week. Uh, you were talking to – it was when Alabama was in Starkville playing Mississippi State. You said Starkville had improved as an, as an SEC town. And, uh, and, you know, you got a trip to Columbia, Missouri coming up on Saturday. Where does, uh, where does Columbia rank on your SEC, uh, SEC hoops uh, power ranking? <laughs> you know, i got to think it through a little more. Um, you know, I don't have the history uh, in Columbia, Missouri. But Columbia's – Missouri isn't a bad town, but I can tell you this, and you probably know this, it is not an SEC town. It is a uh, a great uh, Midwestern town that's in the Southeastern Conference. Kind of strange. Uh, doesn't have an SEC feel. In the last, at least the last maybe a time or two I've been there, it's been snowing, which never feels quite right. But uh, the good thing is when we go to these towns, we always do our research and make sure we eat some, some really good meals. And that will be the case in Columbia. We always have a good time together, as I mentioned before, with Chris and Tom. And I think Roger's going to be in uh, in South Carolina for the SEC Women's Tournament. But our group has been uh, a part of some great team dinners together. And we always have a good time and make sure we eat really well. So, But, like, if you had to give me, like, your top two SEC hoops towns, with the exception of Tuscaloosa and Lexington, what are they? Well, I mean, just SEC towns in general. Um, you know, I, I love my t- going to Athens. Um, you know, I, I took my, my family to Oxford uh, last weekend, and, and Oxford is a great, great college town. And that, you know, I love Nashville. My wife's from Nashville. I would, you know, not not your traditional SEC town, but love love going to Nashville. So uh, there's not enough. There's not a lot of bad towns in, in the SEC. Uh, but uh, I would put obviously Tuscaloosa, even though you said I couldn't put it in my in my list. It is a clear number one. That's right. Well, uh, well, thank you again, Brian, for hopping on here, listeners. You guys can find him on uh, on the Crimson Tide broadcast. He's going to be in Columbia Saturday, and then either you know Wednesday or Thursday in Nashville for the SEC tournament. Thank you, Brian, and, uh, and you know, hopefully you'll be able to hop back on here sometime soon. Well, I certainly enjoyed it. I appreciate you having me.